right, everybody, welcome back to Stories from a Mountain Town. Uh, this is your host, Tyler. With me today, I have Brad Boner, the Director of Visuals at Jackson Hole News and Guide. Welcome, Brad. Say hi to the nice people. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Um, and today, as always, we have some Snake River Brewing Paco's IPA, one of the favorites of the podcast and one of the favorites of everyone at Jackson. Here you go. Indeed. We, um, we're recording this in the middle of the day, but... Is it noon yet? It is 12.07. It is totally 12.07, all right. Um, when I... Cheers, man. Yeah, cheers. When Brad and I were... Hi, Mav. Mav just came over to check out the beers. And the, the cool thing about Paco's is it has a husky on, the, on the, lo, the label. I think it's one of the guys who started the brewery's dog or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And Maverick had to come say hi. Hello, little boy. Um... When Brad and I were messaging to get the set up, and I, t- I was telling him that this is what we usually do. We have a couple beers in the podcast, and I was like, I know it's the middle of a day and, and whatever. It might be working. And he's like, it's, I'd be hard-pressed to deny some free beers or something like that. So, yeah. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So, um, director of visuals, That's as, t- as titles often are, that's a little vague. So, what do you, what, what do, you do as director of visuals. So I've been at the News and Guide um, for, it'll be 16 years in May. And um, when I was re- originally hired, I was the, I was hired as the chief photographer. Mm-hmm. And that basically just oversees the, you know, the photo department. Um, uh, and um, just with, you know, how the industry is developing and changing, um, you know, we've, um, added multimedia and video into the mix. And um, so as part of that, you know, that kind of came into the, um, under the umbrella of visual. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'd say in the last, you know, two years or so that, um, you know, my title just changed to director of visuals to just kind of oversee, um, oversee everything that, you know, photo, video, mm-hmm. um, anything that, that involves, Visual kind of outside paper. of the text or outside sure. of the story. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so that include that would include like kind of the approval process of like let's use, you know, these photos for the story or not those. And then also, and this kind of rolls into how we first met a little sure. bit ago, um, you're actually out in the field like taking pictures, getting for your own stories. And um, I think also I've sent you a couple like wildlife pictures that I've taken sure. just to be like, Hey, you use them if you want. Um, so it's also like that part of it too, right? Yeah. So for the most part, everything at the paper that involves photo and video gets funneled through me. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, it's like you said, you know, part of my job is out actually making photographs and, yeah. um, doing work to supplement our stories some of it's just driving around looking for enterprise pictures mm-hmm. um, and kind of working on my own photo essays and everything. But um, um, as the director of visuals, you know, um, I would say a good chunk of my job is looking at other people's photos, looking at the other photographers' pictures, um, um, and working with the designers to see how those pictures put on the page so Mm -hmm. you know it's not like we just take pictures and hand them over to designers and they lay them out there's um 
definitely a process involved in, um, you know, we're standing, there's, I'm standing right there with the designer a lot of the time, especially on some of the um, bigger spreads and section fronts and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to determine what the best picture is for any given story that we're working on. Yeah. Awesome. That's very cool. And yeah, so how Brad and I first met, um, we can see the spot right over here through my, through my back window. Um, during the Saddle Butte fire that uh, we were getting evacuated for, um, our the main road to come up to our house is on kind of more the east side of town. Um, and Taylor and I were on the west side of town at, at Whole Grocer. Um, and the traffic was so bad, they shut down Broadway to get over to the road. Okay. So we started trying to get over there, and the dogs were at home, and we're like, shit, we're not going to get there in time. Yeah. So I ripped around and went up to the this road, um, Spring Creek, right? Spring Creek Road? Yeah, the road up to... The road to the Amangani. Yeah. Is what everyone will know it has. Um, we get up there, and there's a curb that's like as close, pretty close to our house. We parked there, and Brad was just pulling in also to take some pictures, because you can see the big plume of smoke above the top of the yeah. hill and and um he just like i remember you're you're like are you all right and i'm like no we're getting evacuated can you yeah. come help yeah and it was just a super cool okay Bridget wants to join um <laughs> sorry um it was just super cool how it was just like you just randomly there and offered offered to help us when we were just freaking out because we were like our house is going to burn down for sure like the fire we saw the fire was just like exploding over the hill right um and then so we all ran to the house got the dogs out got some valuables and then and then brad helped us put a few things in our cars and we got out of there yeah i remember you know it's it's um this that's happened to me a couple times you know it's when these breaking news situations happen and you know sometimes you're the first one there sometimes you're (laughs) the only one there and um you got to be a human being first, you know, um, yeah. you kind of, you have a job to do, but then at the same time, you know, you, you really try to be a human being first and, um, especially in a community like this, you know, mm-hmm. we're all, you know, part of the reason that I live in this community or, you know, live in this area is because the, the, the community is, um, is so tight and, yeah. you know, first things first, we got to help each other out. Um, yeah, definitely. And if there was, you know, I, I remember coming in here and, um, I mean, I'm, I, I remember saying like, load me up, Yeah, you know, give me, yeah. you know, give me something, you know, give me something to carry. And I think I carried a bike for you and everything. Yeah. And I remember like holding the bike and taking pictures at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're, I'm, I still have a job to do, Yeah, you know? And so, you know, you guys were kind of just doing your own thing. And I just remember like, you know, picking up your bike and I think there was like a small bag that I carried outside for you through the car, but I was like taking pictures as I was, yeah, as I was doing that. So, yeah. And one of them that got put in the article on the website looked really cool. It was like, almost like, um, is a super wide angle lens. Mm-hmm. And it was like from like almost from a really low spot looking up at our house and us packing the car. And then you could see the smoke right behind yeah. it. It was definitely very ominous looking, you know, yeah. it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the, the fire was a hundred yards away, but it was just up over the hill. And, yeah. and, um, you know, it was, it was definitely very ominous looking. Yeah. We certainly did pack some weird shit at that moment. Cause <laughs> well, like, I imagine it's like, like we're, we're moment, prepared we're to just, be like, what do we grab? Yeah. It was like, okay, valuables. I was like, okay, work computers, cameras, drone, 
um, we happened to just have a cooler full of, or we had just had gotten groceries and I grabbed uh-huh. my Yeti and I was like, okay, we can put the groceries in here. Sure. Um, and then it was like, okay, what else is like valuable? And I was like, bikes, that's expensive. Like we don't want to lose those. Um, and clothes and toiletries and stuff like that. And then, then it started to get weird where I like got my golf clubs. <laughs> so again, I was like, okay, valuable means expensive and yeah. that's expensive. But um, yeah, I think looking back on it too, I think we were a little bit more frantic than we had to be, but better that than less than not enough. Sure. Because, you know, when they said like, you know, get out of your houses, like now it's like, we don't know. Does that mean the flames are at the top of the hill and it, yeah. could, it could rush down here in a minute? You know, you, we hear about how fast wildfires can move. Um, but I don't think it, I mean, after we got out, we, I had to drive all the way up to the roundabout and then mm-hmm. back in the town, we all, we all, all the neighbors went to still West. There's one of the, um, you know, that lot that's just plowed out. It's just yeah, yeah. moved around, but no building. Yeah. That's um, the owners of Still West. And so they all invited us over there. We sat on their back deck thing and like oh, basically wow. watched the, the butte burn. Yeah. And it was just kind of like we all came together and we're just like holding like fingers crossed, like sure. waiting to see if our neighborhood is going to burn down. Yeah. I remember being, um, I didn't, I didn't leave because I, um, well, yeah. after, after you left, I headed up to the, top to mm. Spring Creek Ranch and Alangani and mm. kind of stayed up there because I figured they were going to close that road and I didn't want to get locked out and they eventually and I think they cl- actually closed the road 15 or 20 minutes after you and I got up here yeah uh, they weren't letting any anyone else up so I wanted to stay up here and there was a point where you know I was you know you just have like a really good line of sight right there looking mm-hmm. back um, over this direction and the slurry bombers were coming in and making drops, you know, over and over again. And I was making pictures over there. And at one point, I remember seeing the fire come around the corner. And it was pretty windy. And it just, it blew up the ridge line. It came around the corner of Saddle Butte. And it blew up the ridge line. And I remember taking pictures of it, kind of saying in my, over and over my head. And I think out loud, I was like, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Like it's moving. It's moving fast. And yeah. it moved up that ridge line in a matter of only a, a few minutes. And I thought for sure some of the houses up on the butte were gonna burn, but man, I think they did A, I think the the homes were pretty well managed with compensable space, and I think also the um, you know, fire AMS did a pretty good job of um, knocking down yeah, um, knocking down what they could. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of different aspects there, you know, they, they had a lot going for them. Yeah. We were doing the same thing from still West, like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Cause it was that space. That had um, crazy that, just watching it. Yeah. You know, kind of like, and we, I mean, we were renters, so, but we haven't, we have renters insurance. So we sure. were like a certain level of anxiety because of that. But then it's like, like the Teskies down here, they've lived here for like, 20 years and that's like in their enormous beautiful home and there's a lot of big beautiful homes on this um and on this on this road and so like that's like a whole nother level yeah. of like that's your life that you're watching maybe burn down for sure i mean well and, and or even your life's work from, like from where you from where you were i mean what what was that like like you're sitting there and there's got to be this like element of like you know i'm just powerless there's nothing yeah. i can do yeah it is it, it's it's not like um, I wouldn't call it like relaxing, but you're not like, um, it's not like, it's not, you're not anxious like you would be 
at work or something right. where you're like, you know, I know what to do. I could do things to help the situation. You can't do anything at that point. So it's kind of just like sit. Yeah. It's kind of just like sit back and watch the show <laughs> because like that, that slope where our road goes up, um, there's some big pine trees on, on the upper half of it. Those were like exploding. Sure. And it was just like this, you know, I was looking at um, the pictures that I took. So I went around to that. Yeah. Go, so if you swipe to like the newer ones, uh-huh. those are like the day after. Right. Yeah. I remember you sent me these. Yeah. Um, and that just yeah. shows like, yeah, that was, that's the, that was from, yeah, that was from. See, I didn't uh, get to see all this. I, you know, like I say, I didn't want to, they were, they were pulling water yeah. out of this, out of this, uh, there's a pond down in Spring Gulch. They were pulling water out of that. Yeah. And so I, um, I just wanted to stay up here just because I knew the fire was heading this direction. And I also knew that we had, you know, another photographer on the other side mm-hmm. and he captured some amazing pictures yeah. um, from a bunch of different angles. He was able to move around um, quite a bit and, you know, really made some incredible stuff. And then I was, I just happened to be at this angle, like high up where the, where the aircraft were coming in. Yeah. Those pictures where they're dropping the red stuff. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Like they're, there's one where you, I think you took it. They're dropping it on this house. Yep. Yeah. It came right down this ridge. Yeah. And they had like, so I, we walk, we always walk up right to that corner and they're really nice people too. And yeah, like they had red stuff like on their house. And this was the, this was the one where like I, I saw the, um, the flames coming up right towards it. And I, wa- yeah. I mean, I watched the fire burn all of this. Yeah. Like all up and around it. And I yeah. think the fire, I think the fire EMS had knocked down their yard a bit. And obviously yeah. this is a concrete barrier, mm-hmm. but, um, so we're, for the people just listening, we're, we're looking at my phone. I, I took a picture that the, the day after the big, the big fire part. And there is one of the houses on our road. It's like 95% surrounded by black. So that means that I'll, yeah, I'll post that. I'll put the pictures <laughs> on my story or something. Um, that means that the fire, like actual flames were basically surrounding the house. Um, the house, that house itself is actually like all stone on the outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, that helped it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was totally insane. I shot a wedding, um, just up the hill here and I was kind of worried about that house. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. And, and yeah, that's a good point to be over here because if it did come over and start getting houses, like mm-hmm. you could get pictures of, you can see all like yeah. 30 houses on the road from that spot up there where you're yeah. at. Yeah, you could see pretty much everything up there. Yeah, that would have been it. Um, so, moving on, what um, what's it like working at a newspaper and trying to get people to read newspapers and make and then show their value in an age where like physical physical newspapers and magazines are like like nobody's reading them except for in Jackson. Everyone reads the News and Guide. Yeah. Jackson's like the one little place where people actually read the newspaper. Yeah. What's that like? Just knowing what. Yeah. So, um, you know, Jackson's somewhat unique and, um, um, I wouldn't say that we're immune to the, you know, the changes that are happening in the industry. And, um, I don't even know if I would say that we're, um, that we're insulated from it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've definitely been, we've definitely been affected by it, but you know, the one thing that we, you know, there's a couple things is, you know, a, we're entirely local. Mm-hmm. Um, we were hyper local and, you know, everything that we have, every, everything that we do, almost everything we do has a Teton County, Wyoming connection to it. Right. You know, we, we understand that there's, um, obviously, um, um, 
communities, you know, outside of Jackson, you know, uh, Teton Valley and Alpine, we have a lot of commuters and a lot of our workforce live out outside of the valley. I live, I live in Victor. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of them. And, um, but, um, and, and so, you know, occasionally we cover stories, um, in, in, um, Teton Valley and Alpine, but for the most part, we're hyper local. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, you can't get, you, you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. You know? Um, a lot of these larger newspapers, a lot of the reasons why they're kind of collapsing is because they, a lot of times covered national issues for their community. And now you can just go on the internet and you can find that mm -hmm. pretty much anywhere. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, that being said, um, the industry is changing and, and whatnot. And, um, but one of the other things that we really benefit from is, you know, Jackson is a very, um, motivated community and a very, like Jackson's a very engaged community. Yeah. Um, they're engaged in their state government. They're engaged in their, um, uh, local government, county government, and they, the, the community of, in and of itself is very interested and very hungry for information about, you know, what's going on in their community. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and so I think that, I think that we benefit from the community being, um, having high expectations for, for, um, for information about what's happening about what's happening in the valley and, and about issues that that impact them. Yeah, um, that's a very good point. I, 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 I look at more of your stories that you post on like your social media, but it seems like there's way there's very often that there's stories that affect me or that are just kind of interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, where uh, so we moved from the Twin Cities in Minnesota, sure. So they have the big. Minneapolis Star Tribune and the Pioneer Press for St. Paul. Those are just yeah. really yeah, big yeah. papers. And they I went to school in um, Moorhead, Minnesota for two years. Oh, no so, way. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. At um, Concordia or? Well, no, it was it, the other back one? then it was um, it was Moorhead State. Now Moorhead it's MSU State. Moorhead. Oh, okay. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I went to school there for a couple of years and I lived in Fargo. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, you know, always working at the newspaper and Pioneer Press and the Star Tribune, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Yeah. Um, and, but they did, they do that same thing where it's mostly, I mean, it's like your local sports, they're not, it's like the, you know, Twins, Timberwolves, Vikings, yep. Wild, yeah. and those people, people still read those. Um, but then it's like, you know, the big scary news headlines that it seems like all, a lot of news is these days. It's sure. just like, oh, 11 dead after a gas explosion somewhere in the country. And it just, and it, it was like, so little of what they were printing affected me or interested me that it was sure. like I didn't even think about following them or reading it. Yeah. But here I, I read all the time and well, Taylor reads it like every single night. Yeah. And even like, you know, the feature stories, it's like the people we cover in feature stories, it's, you know, um, I mean, those are your neighbors and yeah. you see those people on the post office, you see them at the pub, you see mm -hmm. them, um, out when you're out skiing and, um, you know, we, we you know, we, our, our tagline is, is, uh, reflecting the unique character of Jackson hole. And, um, you know, we do have really unique people here. And yeah. one of the, one of the reasons I like this community is, is people are very, people are very motivated and inspired. And I don't know if, um, I, I, I think this area, 
I think this area draws um, um, very motivated people, and mm -hmm. um, um, and I think I think that um, yeah, it just it just draws very unique and motivated people, and when you congregate a lot of those people, a lot of that kind of type together, they feed off each other. Yeah. And no matter what it is, you know, no matter what field you're in, no matter what field I'm in, no matter what field, you know, anybody else is doing, you know, you, you see how, you know, motivated and dedicated they are. And it, it, it pushes back on you. It makes you want to do better. Yeah. And one of the, you know, one of the things with our community is, you know, just because I think in general, we're just a very unique and inspired and motivated community in, in all aspects that those expectations get pushed on us. Yeah. And so it motivates us to do a better job. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of one of the, you know, it's, it's this sort of symbiotic relationship is that, you know, we have high expectations put on us. And so, the reason I, I feel like we do as good of a job as we do, and I think we do a very good job of covering this mm -hmm. community. We're not perfect, but I think we do a, an excellent job covering this community. But the, the crux of that is the, of the expectations put on us by yeah. the community. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I've said this basically in every podcast, but um, to your point of, Jackson draws very motivated and uh, very motivated people um, to live here for any sort of long, long-term, long, long amount of time, you know, basically over a season, sure. people will come in for their favorite season to yeah. be in the mountains and leave. Yeah. You have to work so hard and, you know, give up a lot and be okay with, you know, paying as much as we do to live here and, mm -hmm. or driving over the pass every day like you do that, only the people who are hyper motivated to be here will stay here. Sure, you know, so that's that that shows that shows through um, in the people that you guys cover for sure. Sure, the you know the little joke is you know is that um, you talk to a lot of people around here, um, and I don't know how many people you ask this question to in your podcast, but like you know if you ask people like how did you first come to Jackson Hole and like. Yeah. Eight out of ten people will will tell you I came here to ski for a season and I just never left. Yeah, um, and that's the, kind of that's kind of the joke in, in Jackson is that mm -hmm. you know like even my old boss Angus, um, uh, I think he said the same thing in the you know when he got here in the I think it was the mid seventies and and he's like yeah I came to Tetons to climb for a summer and you know just kind of stuck around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of um, Fred Harness, uh, he was mm -hmm. an episode I did a couple couple episodes ago. So let's go. He said he's been stuck here for 24 years. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And same thing. He came to like do a little bit of activity. He was like, you know, was going to just be a construction worker just to make enough money to like yeah. climb and snowboard. And, you know, now he's been here and has a, has a daughter and is a, you know, a badass real estate agent. Like, so yeah, that's everyone's story. I had, you know, like I'm kind of the anomaly, I guess. It's like I actually had a job when I showed up and that was with the music guide. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, um, how did you... How did you um, first come to Jackson or first learn of Jackson? And then, like, um, what did you think of it? What did you think of, like, the size of the mountains, the energy, the people? Mm -hmm. Like, go into that. Well, I I, um, I grew up in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. 
nice. um, Black Hills, yeah. Black Hills, South Dakota, and come out to Yellowstone and the Tetons when I was young, maybe around eight or ten, for the first time, um, just on vacation like everybody else. I got a you know mm-hmm. the picture of me and my brother and my mom and dad standing underneath the antler arches and <laughs> sometime in the eighties, you know, yeah. mid eighties, and um, um, you know, I'd always, I always, I always, it stuck with me, and I always remembered that trip and. Uh, came out here a second time when I transferred from college. Um, we drove out to Yellowstone and um, uh, the Tetons um, on my way down. And so um, came back there again. I did an internship up in Alaska um, at the Anchorage Daily News. And on the way back from that, I took the ferry from Alaska down to, I think it dumped me off at Bellingham, Washington. And Came through Yellowstone in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in fall of 2000 and 2002. Um, and then I got a job in um, Gillette, Wyoming. Cool. And um, um, if uh, if Jackson is the you know one of the gems of Wyoming, like I don't want to go into describing what what Gillette is. But, um, <laughs> It's it's um, it's a different place, but um, I would say it's more indicative of what you know the rest of the state you know might yeah. be like. The rest of the state's one, much more like blue collar. Well, and, yeah, blue collar, and um, you know, like, you know, Wyoming's a great state overall. And, yeah, you know, it's like just so diverse. There's so much, so much there, and each each part has their own beauty. And even Gillette, yeah, had its own unique character about it. It was really, really interesting place. It was mm-hmm. just just a lot different. It wasn't like wasn't me wasn't my fit and um but in any case um i was uh i was um, dating my my now wife who was living in pinedale and um uh i wanted to get closer to her and i had met the editors of the newspaper at the wyoming press association's annual convention in um in casper and I said, hey, if you guys ever have a um, have a job opening over there, let me know. And about three months later, that's um, that's exactly what happened. They called me up and they said, hey, we got a job opening, and um, gave me an opportunity. So so it was like it was almost secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, I came here to be closer to my girlfriend, um, and just kind of like ended up you know, getting really attached to the place and falling in love with the place, just like everybody does. Yeah. Know? I think everyone, um, I think a lot of people who come here don't necessarily intend on staying as long as they do. Uh-huh. Um, and For that sure. kind of goes back to the, the joke that we were talking about. They, you know, I'm going to go have fun and I'm going to go have fun for a summer in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have former interns who are still living in Jackson. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, that was in, um, 2004, uh, May of 2004, that, um, you know, I came here, I lived in Jackson for about, about a year, and then my wife and I got married and moved over to Teton Valley. Awesome. That's super cool. Um, has your, has your, like, career plan or path always been around, like, um, like, journalism photography? Mm -hmm. Was it, a, did you, did that like what you kind of like majored in or something like that? Well, I originally was going to school for commercial photography uh-huh. and that involved a lot of like studio lights and, yeah. you know, really meticulous the styling of, you 
with products and everything like that. And it just wasn't my thing, like large format photography, you know, four by fives and everything. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, um, I majored in communication at communications at Morehead State and, you know, dabbled in it a little bit. And then the program at Northern Arizona University where I transferred to was more commercially oriented. And it wasn't what I expected. You know, I thought I was, I thought I wanted to get into that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, once I got into it, it just wasn't really what I expected. and wasn't really my bag. And so um, I got a job at the school newspaper and I, you know, worked there for about a year and a half. And then I got a job, a part-time job at the local newspaper, the Arizona Daily Sun, and had a great editor there, Jake Bacon, who was um, was a really good um, mentor and, a, you know, a great inspiration and uh, kind of narrowed my focus a little bit. And, that, and that's kind of, you know, I worked there for about a year and a half as well. And that's kind of when I kind of decided I wanted to do this journalism thing. And, mm -hmm. During that time, I had switched my minor to journalism, so I had this sort of like commercial photography major, but I had a minor in journalism. And so it kind of fits um, perfectly into like now what you're doing. Sure. Well, and then I did some internships. Um, I moved around a bit and got in some internships, and um, I did an internship in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and the Anchorage paper, and uh, worked up in Michigan, um, Central Michigan, for a while, and. Um, you know, that kind of gave me an opportunity to move around and see mm -hmm. different parts of the country. Um, and, uh, you know, incidentally, it set me up for this job. You yeah. know, all of that. It's it's crazy how, like, when you look back at how all of these roads kind of lead you to where you are. Mm -hmm. um, the last internship I did was Anchorage, Alaska. And... Um, and uh, the photo editor up there, Richard Murphy, was the photo editor at the Jackson Hole News mm. from, I wanted, I think it was like 70, 1975 to 86, or he was, he was here for 11 years, um, yeah. maybe 74 to 85. But in any case, he was very good friends with Angus, uh, who was the former editor of the paper, that's kind of how I got this job. Mm. Um, so all of this, you know, all of these things, so it's like this crazy web, you know, all of these things just kind of built up to what got me here. Yeah. When you're in it, it's like, well, I'm totally lost. Like I'm randomly in central right. Michigan, but yeah. I want to be in Jackson or like wherever you are. And then when you look back, it's like, oh, I had to do that to get to here. Sure. Yeah. Like if I, if I had never gone to Alaska, which was, this last minute thing. Yeah. It was really funny because Richard Murphy called me up and it was in, I, I had applied for the job like two and a half months beforehand and, and never heard back. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and so I just kind of wrote it off and I was ready to stay in South Dakota for, you know, whatever and, and, and do whatever. And so, but it was like late April. I remember it was like, you know, like the last week in April, he calls me up and he's like, Oh hey, um, you know I've got this job opening or this uh, internship opening. Do you um, do you, are you still available? It was how he, I think he's kind of how he put it. And, yeah. And you know, like at the time, I thought, oh, he had someone else in mind, or he has 
you know, exhausted all these other candidates, <laughs> you know, or, or, or he, he had, or he had hired someone and they fell through because it was really late in the game to, um, you know, internship wise in the, you know, in the industry, people want to, um, you want to get your interns nailed down as soon as possible. And for a summer internship, you want to get it done, you know, in late February or March. Right. And so like, um, basically he said, you need to be in Alaska in a month, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, um, but, but in any case, um, it worked out. And, yeah. Uh, it was probably the best internship that I did up there in Alaska. Yeah. That's cool. What yeah. city was that in? It was in Anchorage. Anchorage. Is that, is that like the biggest city in mm-hmm. Alaska? Yeah. Did you do many trips up into like, like the, the wilderness areas, like way up there? You know, I did, I did a bunch of hiking and backpacking. Um, but I had this assignment with the Lieutenant governor of Alaska, who was campaigning for governor. And it was one of those things where, you know, when you're, when, when you know, when you're a photo intern, um, you know, you, you, you don't turn anything down when your boss asks you to do something. Uh-huh. Um, you, you just don't turn it down, you know? And, um, I was getting ready to go on a hike, um, like an overnight and I had all my stuff packed. I had like, you know, my, my backpack and like all of my camping gear was like all packed up and I was literally getting ready to walk out the door. I was probably five minutes from walking out the door. It was early in the morning and my boss called me up and he said, what are you doing right now? And when your boss calls you and says, what are you doing right now? The right answer is nothing. Yeah. You know, and I said, that's what I said. I'm like, nothing, <laughs> you know, or he said, what are your plans? Like, do you have any plans? And when your boss asks, you know, when you're an intern and your boss says, do you have any plans? You say no. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, great. You're going to go to the airport and we're going to, uh, you're going to meet this reporter at the airport and you're going to get on a plane and you're going to fly to Fairbanks where you're going to get on another plane, like a little puddle jumper. And then they, they, it was like a 45 minute flight to, I can't remember what the, the village was, but it's a village on the Yukon river. And he's like, you're going to get on that. He's like, there, you're going to get on a boat because the, you're going to get on like a jet boat because the Lieutenant governor of Alaska is campaigning along the Yukon river, the villages along the Yukon river. And it was like, it, I, I fortunately had all of my stuff packed. Yeah. And he's like, we don't have anything booked for you. We don't know where you're sleeping, but we got invited on this trip and you got to go. And so, yeah. Um, well, that's wild. Yeah. So got to the airport just in time and got on the plane. They had miraculously booked me a ticket or something. I don't know, but it was waiting for me. And um, long story short, got up there and rendezvoused with, the lieutenant governor, I think we spent like four days, like just on this like campaign trip along the Yukon river. And did you, did you like take that boat from village to village on yeah. the campaign trail? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, you like get boats. on a boat and, and, um, it's the only way, you know, there's in Alaska, you know, you can get to a lot of places by plane, uh-huh. but a lot of those villages don't even have airstrips. And so, um, you know, it was like, get on a boat for three hours to go to the next village, um, get off, talk to people and everything like that, do the yeah. campaign thing, get on the boat again, go to the next village, do the same thing. And then we were, we were like, I think there was one time I 
I like stayed in some, I had slept in someone's garage, <laughs> you know. Was like on a sleeping bag or something? Yeah, I, well, I had all my camping gear, you yeah. know, and um, I didn't bring my tent. I left my tent behind. But um, um, yeah, I just like crashed on someone's, on the floor of someone's garage. Yeah. Know, just because there was just nowhere to, nowhere else to stay. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was like one of the most memorable experiences. You know, yeah. That That's that classic, like probably like type two fun. You were, yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's like in the moment, it's kind of sucks, but uh-huh. in the end, you like look look back on it very fondly. It'd be yeah. like a you know a really hard hike or something, right? right? Well, no, it was like type one fun because oh, it was like it, it was it, fun it was while fun. you were doing it. Yeah. yeah, it was like really, and and you know at that point in my life, I was just eating that kind of stuff up. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and even now, it's like, you know, there's definitely type two fun. Um, that's part of my job, but. There's there's a lot of type one fun as well. Yeah, um, which is one of the cool things about my job. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what is it like being in journalism or being a journalist, if you call yourself that, in a time now because of President Trump, where like a lot of a lot of people in journalism aren't looked at as fondly, or do we get like fake news commented on your stuff or oh, yeah. anything like that? Yeah, yeah, it's all trickled down to us. Uh-huh. Yeah. And when it's like, uh, I, I, if I would ever see that, I'd probably just laugh at it for the news and guide because it's pretty likely that the Jackson Hole news and guide does not have an agenda they're trying to push. Sure. Yeah. Um, there was a, yeah, you know, the, you know, the definition, the, you know, the definition of fake news or the term fake news actually yeah. originates like way back. It, it, it originates, you know, I, 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 I'm not a hundred percent sure if the president coined the term, but, um, but fake news is like Pizzagate, you know, yeah. that conspiracy theory in you know, 2016 that Hillary Clinton was involved with this, like it was like a child pornography ring that was run out of a yeah. New York city pizza parlor or something like that. And like, you know, that's fake. It is like made up a hundred percent fake, you know, but, um, you know, the term has been weaponized. Yeah. That's um, a good word for it. In a way to mean news that I don't like. Yeah. Essentially. It's like, if, I, I know if, start to use it even if it's not news, if it's if, just like something I don't like. It'll just be like I just call it fake news. Well, and I, but but I would but but I would even apply it to you know any any credible you know professional news outlet you know has journalistic standards um, citing their sources um, and um, you know reporting off of documents everything like that you know fake news applies to facts that I don't like. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't like the facts in this story. So I'm going to choose not to believe it. Mm. Um, and that's not bias on the newspaper's part or the news outlet's part. It's bias on the consumer. And, mm. you know, I'm not going to make the argument that media bias doesn't exist. You know, it, yeah. it certainly does um, in some channels and on, to a certain extent, um, but as news consumers, you know, consumers also have to have 
uh, news consumers have a responsibility to recognize their own bias and um, and when they see when they see something that is contradicts or is um, not in line with their beliefs um, instead of just dismissing it as fake news um, they have a responsibility to recognize that you know I might have a personal aversion to what the story is telling me mm-hmm. but in the broader context of things um, facts are facts yeah definitely it does seem though that um For some reason, I don't know if it's just like the technology aspect or just like how um, maybe like charged a lot of the political news is right now. Um, And these are examples that I've actually just like seen happen where a certain, whether whichever side of the aisle it is, they'll report something or and then they'll cite this thing. But then that thing that they're citing is like hearsay. Mm -hmm. It's like someone tweets, oh, I think so-and-so, I think so-and-so is running a child sex ring. Sure. And then they'll be, and then a, a verified source will say, "So and so is running a child sex ring." Cited this tweet when that that was the hearsay, and then it's like then that then the the article that's verified by a big name that has journalistic standards and everything you said, then that's just now taken as like as truth or fact, mm-hmm. um, because it gets more seen by more people sure. yep. because it's a big name. Uh, reporting it or whatever social and, and media then, rewards yeah rewards the yep. outrage of that the craziness of that big headline and then i've actually today i saw an example where they and they made a correction to they would, they would make a correction to that because it's not true or it's not fully true or something but the correction doesn't get nearly the coverage that the that the not fully truthful headline does yep. like today today i saw it was a tweet from i don't even know who tweeted it but some some I think like a political journal, journalist tweeted something about a conversation he heard, he heard about senators in the Capitol and how they're scared shitless about the impeachment yeah. stuff. And that got like 15,000 retweets and like all these likes and everything. And then he goes like an hour later and says, I didn't actually hear that, but that's probably how they're feeling. Sure. And then that got like five. Right. Or like yeah. five singular votes, five yeah. singular likes. And it's like that when, when people start to see that, and certainly myself, when I see that, it's like, Gosh, that does, that just seems very um, knowingly, like knowingly trying trying to, to deceive because they're not dumb. Sure, right? Well, you know, ultimately, what it comes down to is, um, you know, and and for us, you know, again on a local level, is that um, your credibility is all you have, mm-hmm. you know, and in the in this media climate that we have today like especially the national media climate there's this there's this um um there's a sense of immediate immediacy oh um, yeah getting it out there like you gotta be the first you gotta be first and you know at the news and guide we would rather be right than first Mm -hmm. yeah um and that's you know you know we've always you know we we understand that there is a sense of immediacy and you know, people want information, especially when things are happening fast. You know, people like want information, and we and we really try to provide um, provide information as fast as we can. Um, you know, it's not to say that we're um, that we that we don't recognize 
the value of immediacy because people want it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we would rather be, we'd rather put out the right information um, over be, over putting out the wrong information first. Yeah. You know? And the, the stakes aren't as high just right. being the size of the town we're in where yeah. if you, if you're the fourth newspaper to, to report something. Mm -hmm. And on a local you, level, it's, you know, yeah. and, and you're probably going to be first or second anyways. Well, you know, again, it like comes down to, you know, our hyper, -lo or hyper local focus. Yeah. And, you know, um, we would like to, I mean, we would like to be the first to report things. If, yeah. You know, and you, you go, you guys are fast. And I'm not to say you aren't fast, mm -hmm. that when the fire was going on, you had a, like an ongoing article that basically everyone, everyone that lived here was just like hitting refresh on it yep. just to like make sure to see any updates. And you did plenty, every time you guys get information, put it there or um or when the fire ems people would get information they'd either send it to you or send it to one of the people in the neighborhood so yeah so your drive to be correct is not at all saying that you're slow by any means you're very fast yeah well and, you know we um you know when there's elections we're yeah. very cognizant that there's like people kind of chomping at the bit for election results and yeah um, you know, there's these parties going on, you know, one of the cool, one of the neat things about going to like an election party mm -hmm. is, um, seeing people like refreshing our website, Oh yeah. you know, because they're just like, they know that, you know, we're going to be delivering that information, mm -hmm. you know? Um, oh yeah, it's very cool. And so, um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, yeah, it's really neat to see. In, it's, it's in, cool in to see action. People. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you sure. could probably look at metrics and see like okay we got this many hits on election night sure but it's different to see that than it is to watch someone refresh your your page and be like you know i'm i could look at cnn for this i could look at fox for this but i'm going to choose to look at news and right. for this yeah that's got to be heartwarming mm -hmm. to some extent oh for sure yeah that's yeah. awesome so um what kind of you probably have a, a bunch of cameras but uh talk tell me about your camera setup yeah, As you I see, just, I do a little bit of photography, sure. a little bit of videography. Yeah. I just have the one, a couple lenses, but yeah, what's your camera setup? Um, I just have, you know, like a, um, I have a G750, a Nikon D750, oh. um, and um, like a wide-angle zoom, telephoto zoom. That's kind of like the little kit that, you know, the Newton Guide provides us. Mm -hmm. And then I personally have some prime lenses that I really like to use. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself like a gear geek, yeah. you know, because um, there's so much good gear out there, you know, like a lot of the mirrorless, mirrorless cameras, like the Sony's and the Fuji's um, yeah. are really, are really cool. And, um, you know, Canon and Nikon are, you know, People are like, oh, you can't shoot a Nikon shooter, and it's like, yeah. well, you know, I shoot, I've shot both, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I shoot Nikon just because I like, I like the interface better and I like the controls better, but you know, it doesn't really matter what, yeah, what it is. It's, you know, it's, you know, you could, you could take the best equipment, and it, it, it all depends on who's holding it and who's using it. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, That's why, like, I could. Like that's not the fanciest camera in the world, but it's compact. Compact where I'm, if I'm putting it in a backpack for a sure. hike, I can fit that my GoPros and my drone. Yeah. Or like to go to a client to do some marketing stuff, I can yep. fit it all in there. Where some of the some of the Canons and the Nikon's get a little bit bigger and bulkier. Um, yeah. 
but like still like that produces just as good of uh, the content as any yes. random person with my experience with a Canon or something. I will I will say this: there has been numerous photographs that I have taken that are in the newspaper that I've taken with my iPhone. Ooh. And I will not tell you which ones they are <laughs> because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like the because I don't think I don't think the I don't think the um, you know most most readers um, I don't think most readers could tell the difference. Um, but more importantly, I don't think most readers care. <laughs> yeah. You know, like a good photo is a good photo, mm-hmm. you know. And um Mostly just photographers who would care. Sure. Well, well, and but or not not like cares and like be snobby about it, but like, yeah. um, if you told them like, oh, this was on a Nikon, whatever, whatever, with this kind of lens, it'd be like, yeah. oh, neat, right? I, well, and 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 I'll also say this: like, I've taken great pictures with my phone yeah. that have ended up in the paper, and I've taken terrible pictures with my SLR yeah. that have ended up in the paper. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, it you know, it ultimately it doesn't matter. It's just the the content of the the photograph, the technical aspects of it, you know. Does it fit the story? Does it fit the story? Is yeah. it, you know, um, is it compelling? Um, the, the There's a sort of a geeky saying in the photojournalism world is the, the best camera is the one that you have on you. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter, you know, if, if I, I am not carrying my camera all the time, you know, like contrary to what, People might think I'm not like I don't always have you know. There's it's something. not in your pocket right now. No, it's not, well, there's it is. It's right no, here. Okay. I got it in my hand. Yeah, um, but uh, but um, you know, contrary to you know what people might think, I'm not like always walking around with the, with my camera mm-hmm. because you know, just like anyone, you know, when I go to work, you know, I work a eight or ten hour day. The last thing I want to do is like go home and you know take pictures. Yeah. Um, but that, or, or I, it's the last thing I want to do is like lug around a camera on my time off. Mm-hmm. But you know, that being said, I, I, it's still a hobby and I, and, and I enjoy it. Yeah. But you know, making good pictures with the camera that you have, mm-hmm. um, is, is the most important thing. Like learning how to use the tool that you have yeah. to the best of its, to the best of its ability. Yeah, they were my, on my personal journey of getting better as a photographer, when I started really thinking about the lighting mm-hmm. as much as like the subject or like the tool I was using, that's when I went from like, you know, av- below average to like, okay, these are some actually quality photos. You know, you, you can print some of these and now I've been printing them and giving them as gifts and stuff. And, sure. Um, so it's really, when I started thinking about lighting as much as I do now, that's when it started to change for me. Yeah. Because it's, you know, I could take a picture of a, of a freaking uh, dumpster, but if it's like an incredible sunset behind sure. it, then there's something interesting there. Yeah. Or if it's like the golden hour yeah. and I take a picture of my dog, which I have millions of, that's a better photo than, you know, it's flat light and it, but he's looking, he's looking cooler or something yep. like that. Yep. The lighting is a big thing for me. Yeah. yeah. It's one aspect of it. And, you know, with, with what I do, it's like, I'm kind of bound by... You know, photojournalism, you're kind of bound by, you know, the circumstances of whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of people ask us, like, oh, do you use Photoshop? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, I use it, but um, I don't clone things out. I don't, like, 
change colors of everything and I don't, um, you know, I, you know, basically it's like really general, like toning, sharpening, um, cropping, you know, that kind of stuff. We don't get like super wild and crazy with, yeah. with Photoshop because there's an ethical aspect to it. You know, like we're journalists, we're supposed to be telling the truth. Yeah. Um, and you know, anytime you change something in, you know, anytime you change something, digitally you're altering the truth so we just don't do it you know like we don't we don't take out light poles that are annoying or take out a sign that's sticking out someone's head or yeah oh i wish this outlet wasn't here in this picture it's like we don't we don't do any of that we, you know any any picture you see is any elements you see in there you know what what the capture what, or what the what the camera captured um at the same time a lot of times i show up at assignments and you know, like I want to document what people are doing or what someone's job entails. And, mm -hmm. and I'll show up and like one of the first things you, they say is like, well, what do you want us to do? <laughs> or what do you want me to do? And I say, well, what, you know, what would you be doing if I wasn't here? Yeah. That's what I want you to do. Um, if I call people up and say, hey, you know, I want to get some pictures of you doing your thing. And they're just like, oh, you know, um, I'm really busy at this time. Can you come at this time? And I said, well, can I come at the time when you're really busy and just stay out of your way and just let you do your thing? Mm -hmm. Because that's what I want to see. Yeah. You know, like if, if you're busy, great. You don't have to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to look at me, but that's what I want. Like, I want to see you doing whatever it is that you do, like during the course of your day, you know, I, you know, we don't stage stuff, you know, uh, you know obviously there's portraits and everything that are, that are more controlled. But, you know, for the most part, like feature photos and, you know, anytime we do documentary work, we, you know, we don't manipulate the scene or have people do things that we think would make a better photo um, because there, there, there's just a set of ethics that you have that you want, you want it to be natural and you want it to be real. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Document, don't create. Right. That's saying in like marketing stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Document, don't create. Yeah. That's why a lot of... Um, photojournalists who've been laid off mm -hmm. are like, you know, in, you know, because of the change of these changes in the industry for whatever reason, um, the photographers are like the first to go because it's like, Oh, we can just give the reporters iPhones. Yeah. You know, but a lot of, a lot of, um, these former photographers are like getting into, um, documentary wedding photography. Where everyone's doing that. Yeah. Everyone gets a camera. It's what for I Christmas. do, like the yeah. so kind of weddings that I do. I'm just like, if you want really controlled and contrived and like very stylized portraits, uh -huh. I'm not your guy. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to just like go about your day mm -hmm. and you know do your thing, you know, I'm t and, and have me document it, then I'm totally your guy. And, you know, one of the best compliments I had from wedding clients is like, oh, I didn't even know you were taking this picture. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's like, well, great. I'm doing my job. That's yeah. awesome. We were at a wedding. My girlfriend and I were at a wedding in uh, October. We're in church and it's kind of a small old church and the photographer girl, she's like around our age. She's like coming down the aisle as we're all up in the front. I was in the wedding. So mm -hmm. we're all up the front. They're doing their thing. She's like coming down the aisle, snapping pictures and her camera was like being quiet enough and right. whatever. She got a little bit too close to the front and the priest like yelled at her. Really? She was, he was like, ma'am, this is a wedding. Yeah. And then she's like, oh God. And then just like went to the back. Yeah. 
I was like, oh, jeez. Camera, camera girl getting too close. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a meeting to get to. Sounds good. Uh, but thank you for coming up. And um, let all the people know the um, social media handles for yourself and for the News and Guide and um, maybe a website they can find the News and Guide if they want to look at some Jackson local stories. Sure. Everything is everything is pretty much JH News and Guide. Yeah. Um, and is all spelled out. So jhnewsandguide.com. Yeah. And they're great on, great on Instagram, great on Facebook. A lot of like current events going on throughout the day. So you're posting like yep. eight times a day maybe usually. Articles, a, pictures of like yeah. people in town. We have you, an app. We have an app called the Whole Stroll. Yeah, and that's kind of like the you know immediate, really quick, um, down and dirty stuff um, that uh, that you can download for um, iPhone and Android. Yeah, and that compiles like a couple sources for the the area too, right? Uh, well, no, it's all original content from the News and Guide, but it's it's really pared down. Um, oh. It's really quick hit stuff, and um, it's it's updated like all throughout the day. Okay. Yeah. So, called the whole scroll. Whole scroll and jhnewsandguide.com. Yep. And then at jhnewsandguide on at jhnewsandguide on Instagram. Ryan Dorga does an awesome job like managing that Instagram account. Yeah, um, it is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Every week he does like updates on or like does the Facebook stories on like all the stories or all the yeah all the stories that we're doing in the weekly paper and yeah you, um, yeah he links either stories or posts on Facebook to. Yeah. Their website, which has the full-length article, yep. So you need whatever you want. They have like real estate postings in there sometimes, and job postings in there sometimes. One of the really cool things also is um, JH Scene. That's also ours. It's our scene section, mm -hmm. but it's um, it's awesome for like arts and entertainment stuff. So if you want to like keep updated on what's happening, yeah, you know, like nightlife, food, um, you know, uh, movies, stuff like that, um, music. You know, JH Scene is basically the Instagram uh, version of the scene section in the paper. Awesome. All right, everyone. Uh, that's, a, that's an episode. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day.